0: Hey, gang, Wonder Rob here. And Shop's here, too. This podcast is part of the Geek So To Speak Network.
1: Visit geeksotospeak.com for our full podcast lineup.
0: Yeah, welcome back, everybody, for level six of the Sandbox Gamers podcast, where three vidiots talk all things video games and video game news. I'm your co-host with the most, Wonder Rob coming at you, and on the line with me are two of my best friends in the whole wide world, Vactor. Oh, yeah. And Jeff W. Hey,
1: guys. My name's
0: Jeff W. Uh, You know what? I might have to sit this podcast out because I pooped my pants. Jeff, we just said make sure you go to the bathroom before you start the podcast. I know, but my fingers were in my ears and I pooped my pants anyway. All right. Well, you have fun cleaning your butt, Jeff. I <laughs>
1: oh, no! Yum, 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 yum,
0: Bye! Ah! Dang! I kid. Wasn't I wasn't angry enough, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. Well, that's, that's to get Jeff W. for what? Three episodes ago when I took my earbuds off? <laughs> so you could talk about something I hadn't played? Got him. Got him back. Jeff W. (laughs) Jeff W. is not here this week. He is currently, I think he just landed from a little vacation and he is in an Uber. So he. Does not get to be on this podcast, but that's okay, Vactor, because we don't need him because we're two idiots who love video games and to like to talk all things video games and video game news. So thanks for joining us, everybody. If you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a nice five-star review. And if you leave us some actual kind words, we'll leave you with a nice shout out on the show. What do you think of that, Vactor? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. And don't forget to find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Sandbox Gamer Pod and on Instagram at The Sandbox Gamers. All right. So, just like any other week, we got tons, tons, tons of video game news to talk about. And we've been spending all our free time getting into Tunic. We've got lots of things to say. But first, my boy Vactor likes to put in the show notes a nice get to know you video topic and this one would you believe it has to do with video games (laughs) and not just cereal i
1: think that cereal and video games go hand in hand because what did you eat when you were growing up next to the tv set as a five-year-old boy rob what did you
0: eat (laughs) uh probably mcdonald's no <laughs> well, let me ask you this How do you eat cereal while you have a video game controller in your hand?
1: Well, you have to put the controller down at some point. Like, let's say the boss in Mario is too hard. So you're like, I want to have my crispy <laughs> Cornflakes today, <laughs> today, daddy. So you got to put the controller down. Oh and my gosh. Just spoon up. Or you could, it, let's say if you're playing Atari and it was just a joystick. Then you could still eat. You could still shovel it into your mouth while you were controlling the joystick. So you could do it. It, it could all be yours for a hot
0: second. I thought Jeff W was back, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I, I opened my eyes and I thought it was just you doing a silly impression. <laughs> all right. You know what? I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Although I, I re- really do not remember what I was eating when I was five playing video games. But you know what? It was probably cornflakes, just like Jeff W eats every day. Anyway, <laughs> this week's get to know you video game topic is story versus gameplay. Which is more important in a video game? Well, you know what? I've got a lot of thoughts on this. That I'm really, really torn on this one factor because let me use a game you've been playing lately. As an example, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yes. Some would argue a fantastic story. Game of the Year story. Yes. Even if you listened to the Geek, so to speak, podcast Geeky Awards last oh, yeah. year. But the gameplay in that, for me, the the real-time strategy elements of the the gameplay. While the game isn't bad by any means, so don't misconstrue what I'm saying, it's not a bad game, but the video game controls and the mechanics of the the, the combat didn't lead me to hopping back into it like Elden Ring, for example, yeah. where I've got a little more free form in terms of what I want to do in the game. But Elden Ring, as of right now, anyways, from my personal experience, has little to no story in it. It's just, hey, see that thing over there? Why don't you let it kill you? Perfect. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really hard for me to pick one over the other in terms of what's more important. What do you think?
1: I'm the same way. I think it depends on your mood at the time. And it also depends on what type of game you want to play. Because if you're playing something like Destiny or let's say Call of Duty multiplayer or even Fortnite, those type of long-term games where you want to play it every week with your buddies, I think the gameplay is what is more important because that's what keeps you coming back over and over again. With the story element, it and to be clear, I think both of us agree, it has to be a combination of, of both. To be a number one A plus five out of five, you <laughs> want the great story and the great gameplay, mix them together, the peanut butter and the chocolate, you want them to become a Reese's peanut butter cup. But if you only had to pick one, Mm -hmm. I think a single player game, the story matters more. A multiplayer game, the gameplay matters more. And I think our gaming tastes have changed over the years too, because the early console games, let's say with 8-bit and 16-bit, A lot of those games were more simple, rudimentary, and it was all about the gameplay. Now, the story started to creep in as we started to get more, I think, RPGs and um, things that had a longer experience versus something that, let's say, it's 10 hours and you're done. Mm -hmm. We started to get more and more of those. And then as the games got more complex, as we could store more um, memory on the games, as we can have more levels, more immersive experiences, I think it's the story started to creep up, um, to be, to equal up. Cause the gameplay I think was always the number one. Let's say if you're playing Pong, Pac-Man, whatever, the gameplay was the number one. If it's not a fun game, you're not going to come back to play it. But then as the technology started to creep up and increase, then the story became a one, like, let's look at metal gear solid, something mm-hmm. like that, where, they're really trying to become movies, interactive movies, I think is what the goal of a lot of these games are. And now we have a mixture of both, I think with, let's say, Breath of the Wild or something that we can have this long, immersive experience with, but we can, we still love the gameplay. We still love to come back to it over and over again. Sure. So it's kind of a trick question. I think the answer for, for real is both. You want a mixture of both. But I wanted to get Our individual takes on it because I had this actually had this discussion with Jeff um, off mic, and he fell on the side of gameplay is more important, doesn't matter, like across the board, gameplay is number one. And then I was telling him, for me, I've grown to I've evolved to a point now where the story is, I would say, 90% of what keeps me playing games now. And I like being able to go. From start to finish, go through that story, and then, okay, on to the next game. I, I can either uninstall that game or I can trade it into GameStop, whatever it is. But with a game like Destiny, like I was saying, or Call of Duty, or th- even Fortnite, I keep those on my uh, consoles or my PC, and I keep playing them over and over and over again. But I'm not really concerned with the story in those games. It's all about hanging out with my friends mm-hmm. and having a fun, um, you know, just just playing the game itself so i think it's different depending on the situation but overall i'm i'm falling on the side now more of story and i want to be told a a good narrative versus um the gameplay
0: yeah i had an epiphany not too long ago when i was playing a video game about what was really striking me about the gameplay itself Uh that would that would really just like light up all my my inner lights and be like oh man i just really am enjoying this yes with let's say elden ring not to harp too much on that but like red dead redemption 2 grand theft auto uh spider-man yeah Uh, shoot um i'm even gonna go way back like remember the x-men origins wolverine game yes
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like that game was really good too and you're You're controlling this character. You're in these situations. You have all these powers, movesets. You have the freedom to choose how you're going to attack a particular situation. And one day, a while ago, I had this this little click in my head. And I want to take you way back to when Wonder Rob was just a little kid, right?
1: When he was eating cereal?
0: Yeah, when I was just a little, little boy. So I'm an only child. I had a lot of action figures. Yeah, yeah. And I would play in the living room. I'd get like the cat tower and that would be the base. And I'd have Ninja Turtles and I'd yes. have Spider-Man and I'd have Power Rangers. And I would th- have the all these little adventures, these complicated stories and scenarios in my mind where I'm just, these toys are just going back and forth. And I would, no exaggeration, I would be satisfied, completely satisfied for hours at a time. Just playing with my action figures. And the realization I had was these games that I mentioned just previously give me the same feeling or capture that same sort of feeling when I was just a kid playing with my toys, playing with my guys. Yeah. So, like Spider-Man, for example, really gives brings back that feeling of when I was a kid playing with my Spider-Man action figure and just having a blast or red dead redemption or Batman or the Arkham series. And those games, if a game can really click that feeling for me, I mean, that's it's on the top of my list for sure, but also other games like last of us, for example, which the gameplay is great. So there's nothing wrong with the gameplay, but I think the story definitely outshines the gameplay in those scenarios and then that's what's really grabbing me in
1: and that's for me the perfect game right now the last of us Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm looking at that with horizon also which i haven't had a chance to finish yet but the story is so good i can just watch that story on its own right but the Mm -hmm. gameplay is also fun i also want to be interactive i want to have that experience of me Choosing which direction that the character goes, and me interacting with all the objects, and that is a great example. Last of Us versus the Guardians of the Galaxy—that's almost a hundred percent story for me because I don't really have a fun time playing it. Like the Mm -hmm. gameplay itself is not a lot of fun for me, but the voice acting and the story they're telling is so fun. I want to watch it. Like I, if I if I hadn't bought the game already. Number one, I could have got it free on Game Pass now, which makes me <laughs> mad. But number two, I'd probably just watch it on YouTube as a movie, which mm-hmm. I was telling our co-host on Geek, so to speak, Shoff, if you don't want to play Elden Ring, if it's if it's too difficult for you, Shoff, I know you can sit in the corner and watch it on YouTube. Watch somebody play it or watch the story unfold. There's so many good stories in games that from, whether it's Bioshock, which Jeff is playing on our YouTube channel, or mm-hmm. if you have something like Dead Space, which we talked about a couple of episodes ago, a couple levels ago, those are the type of games that you don't necessarily need the, the experience of the gameplay. The story itself is enough to keep you going and the characters. So Spider-Man is another good example because I think my personal opinion, I've told people this many times that Spider-Man game, the PlayStation Spider-Man game is the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. <laughs> all, out of all the, you know, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. Now this was before No Way Home, but I still believe sure. from start to finish that Spider-Man game is the best story I've ever seen with Spider-Man. So I love that game, you know, to the end of the earth because of that experience. So I think I'm at a point where, The story to me matters more than the gameplay, but it doesn't mean that the gameplay doesn't play a part at all because if it's a terrible gameplay, then I won't even continue. I'm not even interested in the story if the gameplay is just so bad. But if it's passable, like you said, in either Last of Us or Guardians, I'm going to keep playing because I want to know this. I want to spend time with those characters. I want to spend time in that world. And I want to see what happens. I want to get to the end of that story. And then whenever the sequels come out or DLC, I want to keep on playing. So I think story matters more now. And Jeff thinks gameplay matters more. What is yeah. your if you just had to pick because like I said, it's a trick question because it's both really. But which one do you like more? Which one well like?
0: having having talked about it and having given it a little more thought because I really haven't given it much thought outside of this conversation. I just play the games that I right. like, right? This is, I, this isn't going to be my answer. I just want to say, I'm not going to cop out saying, well, they're both equally important. <laughs> Actually. I think I might be leaning just a little bit more towards gameplay than story, yeah. but it's, it's, it's by the skin of its teeth. Like these are just so close because like portal 2 yes the story is way better than the gameplay yes yeah but the gameplay is great right but the story in that game was really like oh let's 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 go for it man right like that was the driving force behind me finishing that game again that was a million years ago yeah or fable or fable 2 the story in those games you know it's not that great but I really liked the gameplay the the ability to to make decisions to sort of craft the character the way I wanted it to, and to move forward there. So I'd put the gameplay over the story in that one. So like I said, for me, it's just, they're, they're right there on the line. But if I had to give one, the edge, I would probably go gameplay over story, okay. but that doesn't mean I don't want a crappy story. Right. Right. <laughs> I need a good story.
1: Yeah. So that I just think that tells a lot about a person and what type of game they're going to like if they like story a little bit more, if they like gameplay a little bit more. And so I wanted to have that as a topic. And like I said, I already knew Jeff's opinion because he's stressed it to me many times off, off microphone.
0: He's hit me over <laughs> it's the It's all he talks me. about actually gameplay,
1: gameplay. I hate story and I hate you vector. Ah. So <laughs> that's Jeff W. But he might come back next week and tell us what his, uh, his real thoughts are. So we'll, we'll wait for next week for Jeff.
0: That's true. If, uh, we'll have to check the, the the his tally on unexcused absences <laughs> and how much how many of these get a write up versus how many get a termination. Yeah. We'll have to see. All right. So, moving on, we're going to talk all the latest and greatest video game news. So, tell me, Vector, what's been going on this week in the world of video games?
1: Well, right now, as we talked about on a previous episode, the Sony PlayStation subscription service Mm -hmm. is looming. It's been bubbling under the surface. The rumor mill has been going back and forth. We talked about how they have to do something to combat Game Pass because Game Pass, number one, we love it. It's Mm -hmm. one of the best. I think it's the best deal in all of gaming. But number two, it's just so popular. They have to have some type of response to it. So this PlayStation service, which right now, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now are the current services, and each are $60 a year. Mm-hmm. This new one is going to be a tiered service, and it's going to be as much as $16 a month. It, it's looking to be the PlayStation version of Game Pass, and it I think it's going to be a combination of Now and Plus mm-hmm. together. We are very close to getting an announcement, so there is nothing to announce yet. But just want to let you guys know, most likely it's going to get announced this week as we record this. So by the time you guys hear us next week on the next level, hopefully we'll have an actual announcement for you. But I wanted to let everybody know that this PlayStation subscription service is all the rumors are saying it's going to be very shortly. They're going to announce it.
0: It's going to have to be something special to put a dent in Xbox's armor. When it comes to Game Pass, it
1: has to be day one first party stuff. That's what it has to be.
0: It really needs to, especially for sixteen dollars or seventeen dollars a month. How much is Game Pass right now? Ten bucks a month? It depends
1: actually, because I get deals every time I get Game Pass. I'm always getting deals. But if yeah, if you don't have the actual um whoops, I went to game pass.com. My fault. Um, (laughs) if you don't have the actual uh deals like like I'm finding all the time, you can get Game Pass Ultimate, which is the one where you get the PC mm-hmm. and Xbox. Right now you can get it for $15 a month. And
0: okay. that's the
1: ultimate. If you don't want the actual PC part, if you just want the console part, then it's
0: $9.99 a month.
1: Hmm.
0: I have not been tempted to do the ultimate, to do the PC, because I mean, I have no real reason to, I guess if I didn't, if I, if I had like my Xbox and like if I was going to two houses or something like that, maybe I would go for it. I just really haven't had any sort of urge to do the, the double when my Xbox is right here, but the, the $10 a month is a, a really great value. And I don't know that it would be enough or, let me rephrase. I don't know that Sony could do enough to get me to pay sixteen or seventeen dollars a month. And that's being said, just letting you know, Vector, that I sign up for these monthly services like they're the giving away candy. <laughs> I got Netflix, HBO, <laughs> Amazon, Apple, every uh, trunk box. <laughs> Gosh, what's what's the, the Hello Fresh, Paramount? Paramount man, and not just again, not just TV shows. Bark Box. The dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm throwing away my monthly subscriptions like they're nothing, but I don't really feel like I want this. I don't know. There's something about it. It's not, it's not reaching out and grabbing me at all. Well,
1: did Game Pass originally, when that was first announced, do you remember it reaching out to you?
0: I tried Game Pass before I really got into it, which was last year when I got the Series X. Yes. I had the Xbox One. And trying to remember, it must have been 2019 when I tried it, just out of curiosity. And this was before Game Pass really got big. It had maybe like 100 games. It had like the Arkham games on there. So, I, you know, I redownloaded Arkham City. They had this one game, which I'm pretty sure is still on Game Pass right now. It's Portal Bridge Builder, I think is what it's called. Yes. So I tried that one out and it was fine, but there wasn't really any games on there grabbing me but i still did download smaller indie games that i would not have tried otherwise but i just didn't get hyped into it because at the time playstation 4 was pretty much what i was diving into it was before i became a true true idiot (laughs) but yeah so i quit it and then once i got my series x i dived back into it and i just haven't looked back since
1: Yeah, I've been day one Game Pass um, subscriber, and I do the Ultimate because a lot of games, I just like playing them better on my PC because my PC is more powerful than my Series X. Mm -hmm. But I have them both right here next to each other, and most of the time I'm picking the PC, but they do actually have some that are only exclusive to either PC or console. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll have to choose that way, but... The majority of them are available on both and you get a ton of perks. So I just like doing the ultimate myself and the PlayStation. If it's the way it is now, I don't think I will, but if they add more games that I want to play, then I will do it for sure. Cause yeah, let's say a- if horizon was on there,
0: Oh man, I would have been sold even just off of that. Have you tried the Ubisoft subscription? I
1: haven't tried it. I've looked at it and my wife is a huge Assassin's Creed fan. I like a lot of the series on there, but not enough to subscribe to. Cause I, I almost did it for a couple of those games that were recently released, but I just end up buying the games rather than the, the subscription service because, because of time, really, if I had unlimited time, then I probably actually would subscribe to it but i only have so much time that i can spend so i'm just been individually buying the games like far cry 6
0: Mm -hmm. i i did the ubisoft one for a while and coincidentally i did that one on my pc and And i must have pc uh
1: is 15 a month and then multi access it says is 17.99 a month which is cloud gaming plus pc so luna and stadia plus pc
0: and i must have it was 10 bucks a month, I think, also. Oh, dang. If I remember correctly, or maybe it was $7.99 a month. I can't. It was around when Horizon... Uh, <laughs> I almost said Horizon Phoenix Rising. That's not a game. <laughs> Immortals Phoenix Rising came yeah. out. I remember I, that, yeah, yeah. And I was getting hard into that game. <laughs> getting hard and getting hard into the game. Catch my drift. Yeah. Mighty Aphrodite was looking pretty good in that <laughs> game. But I must, have, I must have been playing that game enough to buy it to buy the game two times or three times over within the past. Like I, I definitely could have just bought the game and paid less, I think. Uh, and that's neither yeah. here nor there. I just wanted, I was just curious since you said you like the, the PC one.
1: Well, it depends on, like I said, what franchises you like, what games you like. Cause if you love Assassin's Creed, you know, all the Assassin's Creeds are on there. So that's a good deal for you. They've got, um, like you said, Immortals Phoenix rising, the watchdog series, the, um, the All the Tom Clancy, the Ghost Recons, Rainbow Sixes, and on those. And even the Scott Pilgrim um, game, which is really a fun beat-em-up. I would probably subscribe to this. if, Like I said, if I had more time and I played a little bit more of these games, I would definitely do it. Because you're getting them day one on a, a lot of these big-name titles. So I would... That's what I really want it for. Not like the back catalog, but mm-hmm. the new games that are coming out. So that's what I love about Game Pass. Like like the game we're going to talk about today, Tunic. Ooh. We got it day one on Game Pass. And I don't know if I would have bought that
0: if it wasn't for Game Pass. That's a good point. That's a good point. I I didn't even know it was on Game Pass. I just searched for it on my Xbox just because I said, I'm going to play it on Xbox. This, yeah, if it's on Xbox, I'll play it on this one. I've been neglecting my Xbox lately. And there it was. And Game Pass strikes again came in handy. I was fully (laughs) prepared to pay $30 for that game. But and it's worth the $30 in my opinion. But we'll get to that a little later. Okay, what else is going on, Vector?
1: Well, you bought Gran Turismo 7 along with Mm. myself. Hmm. And did you get affected by the outage last week?
0: No. But I was gone for half the week last week, also.
1: So there was a more than 24 hour outage where people could not play a lot of the major features because it's an online only game. So the, when sure. their servers got cut off, it was a thing where you couldn't play it without being connected to the internet. And that's a whole nother, you know, uh, can of worms to go down. But a lot of people were out without, you know, th- with their Jeff W's in the air, hanging out, swinging free, <laughs> They're chickens. <laughs> they did not have a good time. So Sony developer uh, poly Polyphony Digital mm-hmm. has announced they wanted to apo- apologize for the, uh, the bad time that people had with Gran Turismo 7, although Rob and I did not because we weren't available at the time. So what this is amongst a lot of, Um, you can actually check the show notes for the full rundown, but there's a ton of stuff that they have promised to the players, including increasing rewards and events, Mm -hmm. um, giving out a million credits, increasing the quantity of used and legend cars on offer at any given time. There's just a bunch of stuff that they're giving out to people saying, Hey, sorry, we messed up guys. Here's a bunch of rewards. Here's a bunch of uh, stuff that you can have in the game and make sure to log into the game before April 25th to claim all the credits, Rob. Ooh. Oh. D- you haven't done this yet. Have you? I have not. Okay.
0: Well, this I have is not,
1: yeah, this is a goodwill gesture by the company to give a non paid credit pack of a million credits.
0: See, I'm into that, even though I I did not suffer the outage that they are apologizing for. I'll still take my reparations,
1: thanks.
0: (laughs) Because, just like I said with the Gran Turismo 7 review, I didn't dislike the game, and I can see myself going back and just playing it a little here or there, just a couple races, you know, just to take the edge off and maybe get into the, the upgrade system. At the time of the review, I hadn't really gotten into that. So... I might just, I might just go on there and get my free credits. Gimme, 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 gimme.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh, what's this I see here in the show notes? Bloodborne cart. So, were you a Bloodborne fan, Rob? So Bloodborne was the only game uh, in that series of Souls games that I had played before Elden Ring. And I did not come anywhere close to finishing that game. But the small port that I did play, and I did say port instead of part just now, the small (laughs) port that I did play, it it was okay. It was okay. I just don't think I was in the right frame of mind getting into that game. And I'm actually curious to go back and play it again. After I'm done with Elden Ring, but I'll say that I very loosely enjoyed it. But I'm using the word loose very uh, loosely. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, good news for you specifically uh-huh. because Bloodborne's seventh anniversary was earlier this week. Okay. And from software, apparently, they have a port that you can play. You can download for free a. Uh, a a create a fan created uh port on the PC not only did, did can you play that but you can also play a kart game in the bloodborne series so um you know mario kart whatever all the all the kart racers that you love this is a bloodborne kart racer jeez oh, <laughs> it's got the same graphics and overall vibe of the PlayStation remake or make as they're calling it. Oh
0: my god, look at this thing. It looks so terrible.
1: <laughs> we have we've got a link in our show notes you can check out some video footage, but um it definitely looks like a PlayStation 1 game and I'm not into that because I think we talked about it on a previous level. The polygons from that era have not aged well versus the sprites mm-hmm. of the 16-bit days. So I will not be playing Bloodborne Cart, but maybe Rob and some other Bloodborne fans will appreciate this fan project.
0: Maybe me and Jeff W. will go head to head. I would like to see Bloodborne Cart. Is this PC only? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it is. Oh, boy. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Let's get some Let's Plays on the YouTube channel of me and Jeff going head to head yeah. in this game. All right, Jeff, you've been challenged, buddy. <laughs> it's so it's so much fun to talk about it when he's not here. Yeah. We Get love him. you, Jeff. We Get kid. Him. We kid. <laughs> he's probably getting so angry right now. Probably <laughs> busting out of his jeans. Oh yeah. He's so angry. Okay. So, moving on in the show notes, it says here the Steam Alpha is finally arriving on select Chromebooks. So, yes. Steam's coming to Chromebook.
1: Yes. So that is, I think, along the lines of our cloud gaming talk that we like to have every week. We need a segment where we just talk about cloud gaming every week. Because
0: <laughs> Factors, cloud gaming corner.
1: I love it. And I want this future to happen as soon as possible. Jeff, I know, hates it. I, I think, are you kind of somewhere in the middle? Because... I'm in the
0: middle. Okay. Like we talked about on a previous level, I, I don't hate the idea. I don't think it's bad. It's just not for me. Yeah. Right now. The practicality of it is because everything I need to play video games is right where I'm at. Yeah. And I don't really have the need outside of that.
1: I'm the same way. I don't play anything, you know, besides on my big console, on my TV. But if you're traveling, that's when it really comes in handy. And I think the idea is the same for the Chromebook. It's like, that's a really good idea for people who don't want to have you know, a lot of a lot of setup they want to do the, they don't want to have the hassle of a lot of the stuff that we mm-hmm. do, but you're going to pay for it in that there's a lot of compromises. So I think it's cool that Steam is actually going to be on there on Chromebooks. I'll never play it, but it's cool <laughs> to have that option, and for some people, that might be their only way of playing Steam.:
0: Yeah, I mean that's a real cheap gaming console. It's cheaper than any console on the market. Oh, yeah. Get a Chromebook for a hundred bucks.
1: Yeah. Now, if, like I said, if you want to play on older hardware, you know, that's up to you, but it's available now. There's certain, in our you can listen, look on our show notes. There's a link to the article over on the verge. They've got all of the Chromebooks that are compatible. If you want to.
0: I might just go out and buy a hundred Chromebooks.
1: Ooh.
0: And then give them all to my friend Shoff because he (laughs) smashed his. As a
1: matter of fact, that's not a bad idea, bro.
0: Speaking of not bad ideas, the fight to save video game history is right here in the show notes. Now, I haven't had a chance to look at this article. This one in particular. That's what when you're a dad, sometimes you don't get to read all the articles. Factor (laughs) never have kids. Everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) As my can, my wife hear me. She might. Be me. <laughs> um. So let's see. The Video Game History Foundation and the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment work to preserve games in a number of ways. They maintain physical copies of older games and the hardware needed to play them. They also copy software for for preservation on hard drives, saving them from fragile physical cartridges. They even alter the game source code so games with online requirements can still be played after their authentication servers have gone offline. Interesting factor.
1: I think this. I mean, you're going to obviously agree. We should preserve.
0: Now let them trash. (laughs) Put them all in that landfill (laughs) with ET. Nobody cares. We've talked about
1: on previous levels not only consoles, what was our first console, our experiences with those type of games, but also in the arcade, Mm -hmm. having all these uh, portable arcade games that we've been talking about in our homes, we want to preserve that memory and that Mm -hmm. experience of playing those games. And without preservation, a lot of these things are going to die because it's the same with movies. um, If movies are not preserved, and a record archive is not kept they will just die out i know a lot of movies that didn't make the transition from vhs to dvd Mm -hmm. didn't make it to blu-ray and once those things are gone the mediums to play those things like i don't have a vhs player in my house i could not play i actually own a star wars vhs set but I can't play it because I have no VHS player.
0: So those tapes are just for looking at
1: (laughs) it's the same with games. A lot of the consoles you've even got a lot behind you.
0: Yep. Got all my Nintendo games back there. Super Nintendo game boy. If you have no way of
1: playing them, if the consoles are gone, let's say you, you would just lose those experiences. It's just, it would be only in your memory. And a lot of these Um, ports onto PC emulators they're not the same that's why I thought that was cool about the pocket what was that console that just came out the pocket color or the pocket the the analog pocket. yeah analog pocket Mm -hmm. I thought it was cool because it's playing it on native hardware so it's Mm -hmm. not an emulator it's that you're putting the actual cartridge into the system and playing it natively so I think that's a huge deal versus emulator. I need one of
0: those shoot. I got a stack of game boy <laughs> games back there that I only play. If I ever feel like getting the super Nintendo out, right. Getting the super game boy, right. Plugging everything in and then going for it. I've been actually, I forgot all about the analog pocket. I've been, I've been wanting that for a while. I mean, look it, up right
1: it now. looks like it's a really cool system. It's got an OLED screen. Like it's got modern hardware, but you're playing these retro games on it. So I think the process of archiving and keeping these things alive is a really good idea for preservation of video games as an art form and keeping them, you know, saving them from digital obsolescence. So the verge has a nice article. You can read it all over there um, on the verge.com little too much, too much text for me to read off here, but the idea is solid. We want to preserve these video bitches that we love and we want to pass it down to our sons. We want our sons to be able to play the games. I cannot
0: wait for that day. I'll tell you what I'm looking at this analog pocket thing, $219 pre-order. So they're made to order, I think. But the interesting thing is I'm scrolling down, looking at the, looking at the accessories. There's a game gear adapter. Neo Geo Pocket Adapter, yes. Atari Lynx, TurboGrafx-16. Holy cow.
1: Before the Steam Deck came along and and took all its thunder, I was really excited about this analog pocket uh, because I was a big Game Boy fan. I was a big Game Boy player and a Game Gear player. I love the Game Gear. And to be able to play some of those games again, I think would be a really cool thing. And, And it's got a dock. Just like the Switch, you could play it on your TV if you want to.
0: Mm-hmm. So Man. I really like that. It depends on when you order it, when you pre order it, what group you're going to be in. Some are coming out quarter one, 2022, which is just ending. And then the next group are expected to ship in quarter four of 2022. And then the next group, 2023.
1: Dang, I could have swear that was out
0: already. but Oh, they've been just putting them out. Oh, I've seen them on Macari and things like that. Of course, I'm not spending. $1,000 on it <laughs> I don't want it that bad but some people do have it in their hands Man, this whole conversation got derailed on that and I love <laughs> it I love it Maybe Rob will give us a review of the analog Pocket when he gets it One of these days, uh, I'm still looking out for my Steam Deck pre-order email yes. Steam, I check every Monday I know they come out on Mondays That is also I have not seen it.
1: a great episode when Rob talks about his Steam Deck
0: Yes. I'll even let you guys pick the the first game I play on it. Oh, dang. All right. Next up, canceling your Stadia Pro subscription is easy and you won't lose your paid games. Yes.
1: So this is what we've been talking about on previous episodes. That's what kind of stopped me from going further into Stadia because I liked the beta that I played of it. I like the Mm -hmm. actual technology of it. I like how you don't have to load anything. You don't have to install anything. You just, Oh, I want to play that game. All right. Playing it like that says that's as fast as it is to load up a game, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to pay a monthly subscription and have to pay for the games. And you lose the games when you stop paying for the subscription. Now they're getting closer and closer to where I want to be with stadia, where if you cancel your subscription, you won't lose those games that you bought already. So it's not as big a loss as previously um, at, with Stadia Pro. So I really like that they're trying to do more demos and trials and that they're giving you an option to, to still keep your games. But I, I guess it's not like you, you would still have the system, right? Because Stadia, like they have a Chromecast that mm-hmm. they give you. So if you cancel your service, I guess everything is the same except you're not getting new stuff on Stadia. That's I'm trying to figure that out of what's the difference between subscribing and not subscribing if you get to keep your games. It's not like you're you're keeping your Xbox, like it's not like you have to give your Xbox back.
0: Maybe it's more like they they keep your record it's tied to the phone number or the credit card you use or something along those lines. So if I quit in January and I decide to reinstate my, my service in August, if I use all the same contact information or same old login information or something like that, they say, Oh, okay. You did have these at the time and you did pay for them, but now you're back on. So here they are again.
1: And I think that's how I would assume. Yeah, I think that's right. And then it's also like, basically, these things, these things are behind a paywall. And when you subscribe, okay, the l- wall's lifted. Now you have access to everything. When you unsubscribe, all right, the wall comes back down. Mm-hmm. You still have access to the ones that you paid for, but all the free games that were on there, just like with PlayStation Plus or like Xbox Live Gold, that's a thing where if you redeem the games, which that made me upset because the I... No matter what, I was always just saying, okay, free game, free game, free game. On PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, no matter what, every month I was just clicking on it. Click, 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 getting the free games, even if I was never playing them. The one time I didn't do it, it was Rocket League for PlayStation Plus. And that's the best game they've ever had on PlayStation Plus. And I had to pay for it, even though it wasn't that much. (laughs) I'm still upset (laughs) like five years later that I missed out on Rocket League. Anyways.
0: You're going to be saying that as an old man? Yeah. I couldn't rock Your Your great grandchild. Gramps is talking about Rocket League again. (laughs) It was good.
1: Gramps. Yeah. I think that is good. Stadia is moving towards. I think it's just because they're not as popular as all the other services. They have to throw in something. So give us something, Stadia. Give us more.
0: All right. Now here's one that I'm interested in hearing your take on. The Halo show is nothing like the games, and that's why it's good. Yes. Now, before I we talk about this, I'm, well. let's give a warning to the people. We're going to talk about the Halo series. It's only one episode out as of recording. Right. But if you don't want to be spoiled on it, don't listen. Or it, on the other side of things, if you want a more in-depth analysis of the first episode, check out the latest episode of Geek So To Speak podcast number 193, where Vector and Shaf have a deep dive into the first episode of the Halo series. That being said, I'm letting you know, Vector, that I have not gotten around to watching this yet, but I did listen to the whole conversation you guys had, because it's not not precious to me to not be spoiled on one episode of the Halo series.
1: Yeah, because there's not really much to spoil, but the thing that we do spoil is relevant to what we're going to talk about here. And I actually have two stories in the show notes and they're kind of both on opposite ends. One is saying, okay, the show is different from the games. That's a good thing. The other one is saying the show is different from the game. That sucks. This show sucks because it's not exactly like the games. I did not know going into the show, they were going to go, into a different timeline into what's called the silver timeline i didn't know that um i don't know if they promoted that i didn't i just didn't see anything uh they didn't market it that way so i'm thinking it's the exact same storyline and we've talked about it before you and i on geek so to speak when halo infinite came out Mm -hmm. we talked about the history of halo and You know, you're you're and actually that's a very good episode. If you guys are interested in our thoughts on Halo, just the series in general, go back and listen to our Halo Infinite episode, which came out in November Mm -hmm. of 2021. But I think I'm fall after one episode. I'm falling on the side of I think it was a good thing not to do the exact same story as the games Mm -hmm. because I have this with animated adaptations or adaptations Mm -hmm. a lot where if it's going to, if you're just going to adapt a comic book, let's say long Halloween, let's Mm -hmm. say killing joke. DC has been doing this recently where they have these big name books, big, huge storylines. They're considered one of the best comics of all time. They're adapting them into animation. And it's a lot of them are just the exact same thing, but just animated versus comic book. And I, Mm-hmm. I found myself watching the animated adapt- adaptations and saying, I'd rather just be reading the comic. This is the exact same thing. I already know the story. So there's no surprises for me. There's nothing novel except for I can hear the voice actors versus sure. the comics. And it just it's not enough for me to say, yeah, that's a, that's a whole new experience. And I'd like the, the adaptation more than the actual book itself. So with this Halo game, I think, or this Halo show, I think it's good that it's not the exact same story, because if I want that story, I can go play the game or I can watch it being played on YouTube. I can watch the story as a movie on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's coming next. And so there's a novel. There's a novelty that I want to see what happens because I don't know what happens next.
0: Yeah, I agree especially with like just using Marvel movies as a reference, obviously they're not sticking to the comics Yes, in a lot of these movies. Right. Almost all of them. Yes. Most of them. I'll say even say 99%. Yeah. (laughs) They're not really, but they're taking the best ideas from the books and then giving it a new spin and adapting to the medium. Yes. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but you do get people out there. For example, that want let's uh let's use Civil War as an example. Like, oh, in the comics, Civil War, well, Tony Stark gave Spider Man the the gold suit there, and he doesn't get a gold suit until this movie, and it's not even the same. Like, it doesn't matter because it's just in a different adaptation and a different take on it. Right. So that doesn't really bother me. the The fact that the Halo series isn't following it one-to-one and i don't really want it to most things that are adaptations i don't really want to see a one-to-one transfer
1: yeah so but that's i'm the just same me. way so i think you're going to enjoy the halo show when you when you actually get around to I, watching it
0: i'll tell you what i hope i do because from what i've seen of it it does not look good <laughs> and when i say it doesn't look good i mean it doesn't look good right not the story eg like the, right? the yeah yeah. I, I it might have been on Geek So to Speak when Schaff and I were talking about the trailer a while back. It looks like a CW show. Yeah. It looks like a show that would be on a, a very a very tiny budgeted network. Yeah. Very cable network.
1: There's definitely flares of that. Like I can I got glimpses of that in the show, even not with the CG, but with Master Chief's costume. And Mm -hmm. I talked about this on Geek, so to speak. He's supposed to be wearing kind of like Iron Man. Like Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be like 200 pounds of metal that he's wearing and he's walking around in. You can clearly tell it's like just a foam outfit that he's wearing. It's like, oh, obviously for the actor, he needs to, he has to be able to move around. He can't be wearing 200 pounds of metal on him. So, but it looks like it's foam. It looks like it's a Halloween costume when he's Mm -hmm. moving. So I'm like, uh, this is not exactly what I was thinking. Anytime he's still and he's posing, I'm like, yeah, that looks like master chief. That looks like the game. But as soon as he moves, I'm like, oh, it's a Halloween costume. All right. It's CW.
0: Yeah. And I think the problem with that is think about how many conventions you've gone to, or even just seen online where people are walking around as master chief, these really awesome homemade, Master Chief costumes that look just as good, if not as, if not better than what you see on TV, and you know that that's some that's a homemade costume, right? You yeah. know, it's like the difference between uh, Robert Downey Jr. in his Iron Man suit in Iron Man Two, that scene where he's at the party and he's got his mask yeah. up and he's right. he's playing the records, yes, or he's scratching the records versus Infinity War, where it's just a bunch of CGI over his face, right. you yeah.
1: Know? So. They definitely could have went that route with the CG, but I think that would have been better, especially you know when he's just interacting with the aliens. Uh, the aliens are all CG, you can tell. It's not a guy in a suit in any of the aliens, but the story is actually pretty interesting. So that, I think that's what's going to, like our gameplay versus story discussion earlier, I think the Halo story is what's going to keep me interested in and seeing how this timeline differs from the game timeline. And in this one, Master Chief just takes his helmet off and he's like, Whenever. I don't care, guys. <laughs> what? here's my face. I know you've never seen it before, but here I am. It's kind of like Mandalorian where he's just like, all right, whatever. All
0: right. Except he doesn't get, except there's no it's not written in the story that yeah. he can't take it off. Master right. Chief just like oh it's hot in there yeah, exactly
1: and then there's a scene at the end where he's just like He's in the ship and he's just flying around with the helmet off. It's like, what, why is he flying around with this helmet? Off? He's like, it's hot in here, guys. I got to take my helmet off. Like, it's, what?
0: it's the same reason in all the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Probably. Every Spider-Man movie yeah. where the spider mans just keep taking their masks off. Always, for no reason.
1: always hated that when I, when I was watching those movies,
0: especially in Iron Man or not Iron Man three Spider-Man three, this is a video game podcast, but let me, let me air out a <laughs> thing real quick about Spider-Man three in spider-man 3 where there's a a big there's a big parade and a big party in the park we love spider-man everybody loves spider-man and spider-man toby toby mcguire hops at the top of the closest building across the street from this this huge gathering of people who love spider-man want to celebrate spider-man takes off his mask and goes they love me you love me what a fucking idiot <laughs> put your mask back on right. idiot they're all right there yeah they're all knowing you're gonna show up yeah. they're all looking up <laughs> god. i That's always the hated the thing that always yeah. made me mad oh god but you know what doesn't make me mad tunic wee! tunic all right so we're moving on to our main video game discussion this week and we're just going to focus on the one game since jeff w is not here this week and we promised last week that we would have a little more time with it yes uh, since we were running short on time last week so tunic just came out it's an action adventure game developed by canadian indie, indie developer andrew Shudice. what a weird name <laughs> published by Finji. Uh, published on My- microsoft windows mac os xbox series x and s xbox one and timed or it's a timed exclusive for those particular consoles now this Finji publisher i'm not familiar with at all Mm-mm. but i'm looking at the games that they've put out in the past uh just a few key ones fez obviously yes uh hunger games Colon, Girl on Fire, Jeff W's favorite game of the year that year in 2012. <laughs> uh, Desktop Dungeons, Night in the Woods, Overland, um, Chicory, A Colorful Tale, and Pending. I was a teenage exo- <laughs> exocolonist. Hmm? And I might be saying that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Tunic is an isometric action-adventure... I don't want to say RPG necessarily because there's not really any RPG elements, mm-hmm. but uh, an action-adventure game hearkening to the days of The Legend of Zelda. For oh, example. yeah. So I've I've got plenty of time under my belt. I think I've got, well, I guess plenty of time is subjective depending on who you're asking, but I've got about six hours in this game right now, which is a lot for me considering I only have so much time to play video games right these days. Uh, how long well, You been also playing? went on
1: vacation this last week
0: And I did go on vacation like a stupid idiot <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go to Sedona Dumb, but it was pretty fun uh, So about six hours I could have had more if I didn't go on vacation And I even got a little more in before we started recording today how, how long have you been playing? How many hours would you say you got?
1: I think I'm at four hours
0: Four hours, okay So it's similar to Fez, but I didn't play Fez Was that one that you got into?
1: Not when it first came out, um, I actually played it when uh, when Tunic came out. I went back and, and tracked it down, and I realized I had it for free. I must have got it when um, it was free on Epic. I don't know how long ago, but again, anytime I see a free game, I just automatically download it. So I was like, this is one of those instances where it actually came in handy, and I was able to play Fez leading up to uh, today's Tunic talk, and I could definitely see a lot of the similarities and it's interesting because of the way it's like a puzzle three-dimensional plane where when you change the game board to a different side, Mm -hmm. there's different things that you can do as you're climbing up this tower. So depending on the viewpoint, different puzzles will unlock. Like you can't beat the whole thing unless you're going to the each side of it. Mm-hmm. And it's got the same kind of cutesy art style um that Fez has. Although I mean I'm um, tunic has sorry, but Tunic is a lot more um graphically advanced, I would say. So yeah, Fez was fine. I I never got into when I was when it first came out, but I heard a lot of good things about it. I played it and I was like, oh okay, I can see where all of the love is coming from, but I'm not gonna go back and play it again. I got a Tunic <laughs> now. I got a pit bull now.
0: Oh boy! You talking about Fez kind of makes me want to go back and play it. I'm, let me actually, while you talk,
1: let me see if if it's free anywhere else besides. Yeah, get me Pepper. a free
0: game, or I might have to find it on the street if you catch my drift. <laughs> so, Tunic. Overall, I'm just gonna say. J- I don't want to bury the lead. I'm really enjoying Tunic. I'm I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, if you check out the Geek, so to speak, YouTube page, you'll find videos of me playing Tunic uploaded along with the, the all the other games that I'm playing on there. But it is it's an isometric action adventure game. You play as this little tiny fox boy. What's his name couldn't tell you because none of the text is in English <laughs> <laughs> or very little of the game text is in english, but we'll we'll circle back to that. um you start off with a little stick and you make your way through this this really beautiful landscape. They're not highly detailed graphics by any means, it's definitely you know um more subdued than like horizon or anything right. i can't i can't. it's it's a lot more mm-hmm. if i had to compare the graphics to one game or the other i would say it's a lot more like the um the legend of zelda remake that came out on the gamecube not oh yeah, long, yeah or not the gamecube sorry this right <laughs> <the> switch <Yeah. laughs> i don't know where the gamecube came from it's back there on my shelf um but it's very cutesy very good looking Art style, and again, you're this fox. You start off with a stick, and you're making your way through this land. Full Link's full awakening. Of just Link's awakening. Yes, yeah. with just simple enemies, little like like blob things that are coming at you, or uh little diamond creatures. Is the best way I can describe them that shoot little diamond bullets at you. Yeah, and you can go through the bushes, and there are bigger bushes that you can't hack down because you just have a stick. And and the further you get into it, the more you're unlocking what you can and can't do like eventually you get a sword eventually you get a shield you're starting to unlock other areas of the map and figure out that there's you might be stuck in one particular area and there's all these all of a sudden there's a secret entrance that you just accidentally find in the wall or behind a waterfall or underneath a bridge because it is just an isometric view So there are parts where you're walking behind trees or you're walking underneath bridges where you wouldn't really think about it. You're just trying to get from one point to the other, but maybe you accidentally walk into the wall and all of a sudden you're in a new area, just getting dominated by a robot turret, (laughs) just shooting, (laughs) shooting lasers at you. Yeah. And. It's really great. (laughs) It's, it's really great. What what do you, before we talk about the game in depth, I'm just curious about your first impressions of the game. I
1: was blown away that it was free on game pass day one. Mm-hmm. This is along the lines of nobody saves the world. I hadn't heard of it until maybe a week before or a couple of days before. And they were like, Hey, look, it's coming to game pass. And I'm in the stage now where I'm just trying every game that's on game pass, but doing a little research, listening to a lot of uh podcasters apparently this game tunic has been shopped around for a few years now where this the creator that you mentioned his name earlier he was Mm -hmm. taking it around to different conventions showing it off at different places and everybody was every year they were like oh there he is again and i guess it was just improving every time every Mm -hmm. time it was just getting more and more polished until finally it's out like i said i had had no frame of reference for this game until it was released, but I'm having a great time with it. I'm really liking the exploration of it and I think this is much like Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. This is the worst game you could possibly hand to Shaw our co-host on Geek, so to speak (laughs) because it's everything that he hates about video games and even the cute aesthetic of the fox and the relaxing music could not soothe Red Shoff. When when the anger came out, the steam came out of his ears, Shoff was telling us on our Discord chat that we have every day that he got quite upset within the first five minutes of the game and
0: quit, which he did something similar on Elden Ring. Yes, yes. And now I think Elden Ring and this game tunic are similar in the sense that they're not it's not giving you a lot of direction because if you hit the the pause menu I think the pause menu is maybe the one of the only few things written in English but you don't really get any sort of explanation on the story or what where to go or what to do and the further you advance through the map you start running into these little pages and each page you collect is representing one page of an instruction booklet. Remember back in the day for me, I have a a super vivid memory and it it almost sounds cliche, but of my mom buying me super Mario brothers three in the, or in the bright orange box, and I had the box and I was in the car and she had to make some stops like payless shoe source or something like that. <laughs> where I would where I stayed in the car and I opened the box and I was just reading that instruction manual. Hey, yeah. Up and down, left and right, backwards, forwards. And it's it's a core memory of mine. Yes. And games don't have that anymore. Right. They just I can't remember. I'd be curious to know when instruction manuals stopped being a thing you know what I, I,
1: mm-hmm. I remember blockbuster i don't know if hollywood video by the time we got to game crazy and hollywood video i don't know if they were doing this but i remember blockbuster for sure when i want to say it was like third grade or fourth grade they started people started losing the instruction manuals, so they started photocopying them and putting them on the back of the box. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't anything inside the box, but the instruction manual was on the outside and this was before the internet and people um, had everything where you could look it up online. I remember that was the first time I was like, Oh no instruction manual. That's weird. Cause I was like you, when I would get a new game, that was the first thing I would do is, is look through the instruction manual. Number one, look at the artwork mm-hmm. on the cover And then go through, oh, how do I play this game? And I remember just it just slowly dying off. And the rental thing was the thing that I was like, oh, people are losing the instruction manuals. And I would rent a game and there was no instruction manual because somebody had just lost it. So I was like, oh, that sucks for me. But (laughs) I was a big fan of the the game instruction manuals. That's something they need to bring
0: back. I would steal the instruction manuals oh, you were the from, one it was from, you <laughs> from the rentals Dang. and my mom would get so mad at me she you can't put those back you can't take those but i would and i would have a little collection of the instruction because they wow. were my favorite part outside of the game itself i loved the instruction manuals man i would even take them and like put them in my backpack and like take them to school and like instead of playing on the playground and stuff, I'd be like, I want to read about this game. I did that. Read this.
1: I did that for Michael Jackson Moonwalker. I remember that specifically. So yeah, I had a lot
0: of those same experiences that you did. (laughs) (laughs) But in the game, in Tunic, so the further along you get within the games, you're, you're getting these instruction manual pages, which is awesome and not awesome, I guess, depending on which side of the paper you want to look at. Because you're, it's awesome, in my opinion, because you're getting all this neat artwork. You're getting the nostalgia trip coming in and out. You're getting maps of the areas that you're in, which make it a little easier to navigate. What's not good, and I think our boy Schaff from Geek, so to speak, made a point of talking about was nothing's written in English. It's just a fake language, but it's not so detrimental that, at least for myself, and I can assume you as well, that you can't figure out what they're telling you,
1: right? In there, and that, that's level design that you know just shows you when when you can have a level guide you, and you don't have to like it's just instinctual. That's just good level design. When it's to a point where you can't figure out what's going on and it's just clunky, then it's bad level design. I think this tunic is a prime example of if you design your game right, you really don't need any instruction. Like the less, you know, less is more. That minimalist approach. And that's what a lot of the art style is too, where it's just simple, clean, uh, like I said, minimalist. That's what tunic is. And I think to its strength, it works because it's good. It, it works because I I know where to go and I'm not necessarily being forced fed or guided along a path. And I've told you before, when I play open world games, I like being on rails. I like to be guided to where I'm supposed to go next. And I think Shoff is is similar to me in that we had gotten to a point where we were getting so many Force fed games and, and games where that were telling us so much of how mm-hmm. to play and where to go that we forgot the exploration, we forgot the Zeldas of the world. Like the games that we grew up on were not necessarily telling us everything that, like, think about Mario, like mm-hmm. Super Mario World, or not even World, but Super Mario Brothers on the NES. Mm-hmm. You just start out and it's just like go, just run, just go forward. And you figure out what the mushroom does. You figure out what the star does, the mm-hmm. um, the fire, like everything. The secret that,
0: blocks for the one yeah, ups and all yeah. that. Yeah,
1: like all of that stuff was, st- I think, stuff that we took for granted as kids. That was level design. That was the game designers, like that was a brilliant example of level design where you know everything you're supposed to do because it's just you're just doing it and. You don't have to be told that. I think that's what Tunic harkens back to. It it calls back upon that age of exploration, and that's where a lot of the fun of the game comes from. And I think, Shoff, I know you're listening, Shoff. You just need to have a little more patience on some of these games that have been coming out lately, with Elden Ring and Tunic coming out so close to each other. It's just a little bit more. Um, Patience, I think, is the key word. I think the fun, like I said, is once you discover it's kind of like Portal. You and I played Portal 2 co op and we beat mm-hmm. the game. Remember how much joy we had when we figured out a puzzle? How oh, we yeah. figured out what we were supposed to be doing? It was like a light bulb went off because we were like, How are we? How did we not see that from the beginning? <laughs> and it would be stuff where. We're sitting there racking our brains for like 30 minutes and all of a sudden, wait a minute, what if we did this? What if we put this over here and that worked and we're like, yes.
0: <laughs> That's the
1: same thing I think with tunic. like you start or off it takes
0: the, two, you know yeah, it's right, the same right time in the
1: game. <laughs> you start off with a stick and it's like, all right, this is impossible. This sucks. And you're just playing the game and then all of a sudden, oh wait a minute. now I have a sword. Hey, look how much easier this is. And it opens up just all these uh, pieces of the world and the level. And then you get the shield, like as -hmm. it keeps on going, it's just rewarding you and and giving you the tools that you need to actually complete the game. But it's all seamless. It's all connected inside of the, you know, the playthrough. So I think all of those things, not having those from the start is the point. And it's not, something that should be taken for granted that you are discovering these things and figuring it, you know, these type of games are not for the dads who only have five minutes of game time to play. I think, and I'm, you know, I'm one of those speaking as a dad who only has a short amount of time to play with tunic. I had to kind of pull myself back and Elden ring too. I had to pull myself back and say, Oh, wait, wait, wait just be a little bit more patient. Don't be so anxious to be like, all right, where is it? Where is it? Um, I want to be done with this. I want to be finished with this game and the music helps for sure. Cause I feel like I'm in a massage place or something like a (laughs) um, a Zen garden. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm getting like, I really like the soundtrack. Actually I was thinking about purchasing it, but the art style being pleasing aesthetically and then the music, just really helps me get into the, the, the state of mind of let's take it slow, let's relax. And then I, I found myself just having a really good time.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the sense of exploration in this game. I've run into several times where I might find accidental doors, hidden paths, just little things like that or even just like, here's something that happened to me at the start of the game. So, and I think this might've been the same issue shop had. I think we ran into the same issue where we get so far into the map and I ran into a room that had two guards in it. That was like a big guard with a shield and a sword and a smaller guard. And there's a a gate on the other side of the room and you have to get a little lever, right? To to pull the lever and the gate will open and you can continue moving on. But I only have a stick and these two guards are just coming at me and they're just wailing on me and I die and I die and I die and I die. It wasn't so much to a point, again, at least for me, where I was like, this game sucks. But I was just like, man, I just got to get good. That's all I have to do. But after a while, I was like, Man, there's got to be a better way to do this. And eventually I sneak by them and I get the gate open and I move on without having actually killed them. And I move on and I, you know, get the first tower, the first beacon and I light it. And then I go back to where I was and if I would have just spent two more minutes going a little further south on the map, the sword was literally right there. Not that that's bad, but the the fact that the game's like this way looks good doesn't it and this way looks good doesn't it it's just like i could have had an easier time if i just found the sword but i still enjoyed the enjoyment of exploring and figuring it out and making it through it anyway i i still loved it yeah and i was still even though I was getting frustrated in the moment overall, that wasn't tarnishing my experience. And I said, this is, this is great. Like, I love that they can just sort of let me go and do what I want, how I want to do it, but it is a lot easier when you have the sword. I'll tell you that.
1: Oh yeah. And I think this is like the perfect type of game for me for the switch, like a mobile game.
0: Oh man. I wish, I wish I had it on the switch or on a steam Deck that I still don't have.
1: I just noticed I was looking at their official Twitter account and they had posted It's Steam Deck verified. This one works perfectly on Steam Deck. So this is making me want to get a Steam Deck. But these are the type of games I really like on a mobile system or on a smaller screen. When you did the visual style, because it's not that complicated, it looks good on a a smaller screen versus when you're talking about like Horizon and I want to see all the detail and everything give me a 40, 50 inch screen, 60 inch screen. That's when I want to, you know, I want to be immersed in playing that type of game where I can look around and see everything. This game, the graphics are on a different uh, plateau. It's like a different form of enjoyment that I get out of these type of games. And um, I think it's the same, it's that saying that, that popular saying like, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. That's the same thing with this one about the exploration and finding new levels or figuring out something that it you got wrong. Like like you died so many times and then you persevere. It's like with the portal example of doing it over and over and over again and then oh wait, I figured it out. I figured out how to do it. That's how it was when we were playing NES SNES Genesis, those type of games. Yeah. It was the, that that over and over and over again, but we had a lot more time as kids to, to play those type of games. And I wanted to also point out the instruction manual can be, you can overlook it, but it's actually everything you really need is in there. Even though it's yeah. in another language, there's pictures and it's demonstrating everything that you need about the mechanics of the game. And actually I heard a, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but they actually brought up a good point it's like in the 90s, when, if you ever imported a Japanese game, mm-hmm. the, the instruction manual would come in Japanese. And I didn't do this very often, but I had like a Dragon Ball game and certain Japanese games that we didn't have in America. And I had no idea what it said. The instruction manual was all in Japanese. And even the menus were in Japanese. But I just kind of trial and error figured it out. And I, I had no problem playing the actual game itself. That's the same thing with tunic. I think it gives you everything you need even though it's not obvious to you. If you just if you're patient and you stay with it, it's the game is designed to a point where you don't need anything else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if you're a seasoned gamer or even if you're not a seasoned gamer, but you've played you've just played enough games where logic will just looking at the pictures and the actions depicted in the instruction manual, you could put things together real fast, or even things like you get broken bottles. It doesn't tell you what the broken bottle does, but if you go into your menu, all of a sudden you see three broken bottles out of four. It's pretty easy to figure out what's happening. Like, okay, I need four broken bottles, so I get another bottle of potion or another full body of bottle of health, you know. And that's one thing I really like. And I I think maybe i can't remember if you guys you and jeff told me or if where i heard it but i think the further in the game you go you might get a decoder for the text oh
1: oh i didn't hear that
0: i think well maybe it wasn't you guys i don't remember where I heard.
1: that that. would make sense i i don't know if, if they would keep this up the entire game but yeah that would make sense
0: because there's definitely lots of things going on there's like little stores where people are talking to you like a giant cat demons talking to you you don't know what he's saying yeah he's trying to sell you stuff um but I mean this game has everything man like you're you're it's got good the gameplay's great the story what little of it there is it's it's more of like you're putting the story together in your head at least so far because you're not being directly told anything right um but I mean I'm going into caves I'm I'm solving puzzles. I'm finding treasure chests. I'm exploring. Like I'm really enjoying it, and I don't think it's too early to say that this might be at the very least a contender for game of the year for me. Yeah, for like sure. I said,
1: this is up there with Nobody Saves the World for me, and that is that was my favorite game so far of the year. I want to say this is neck and neck right now. I'd have to play both of them a little bit more, but yeah, I, I'm 100% A fan of tunic and i think as long as you approach the game the right way don't go into this thinking it's going to be ratchet and clank or call of duty where it's like you just go straight into it and you're just shooting or you're destroying things it's a little bit more time in um consuming i I would say like you have to give it at least its proper due where you you're letting things unfold and you're not trying to force everything into a, sh- a short time period, even with Fortnite, let's say, it's not just throwing everything out there where you know exactly what you're doing right away. As long as you go into it, approaching it in that, fo- that format, I think you're going to love Tunic.
0: I agree. I agree. And it's free. If you got it on game pass, like yeah. we said a million times already or 30 bucks, I think. Everywhere I looked
1: up, I looked up Fez it's $10 on steam.
0: Shoot. Maybe I'll I'll try Fez. Dang. I might get into it. I might get into it. Report back. Listen back to this podcast, everybody, to see if I talk about Fez. And listen to this podcast every week, because myself, Vector, and Jeff W., the always angry (laughs) FW, Jeff W., -W, uh, the always angry Jeff W., who's usually here but had to miss this week's episode. We have all your gaming news for you every week and we're playing all of the latest and greatest games as well as thought-provoking discussions as you witnessed this episode so thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for joining we're a small podcast we're part of the Geek, so to speak podcast network geek so to speak's coming up on its 200th episode oh yeah So, geek so to speak's been around the block but we're just a tiny spin-off podcast so If you're listening to this and you made it all the way to the end, first and foremost, thank you. We greatly appreciate it. Second of all, leave us a review because it really will help us grow. Every little bit counts. And while you're at it, why don't you give a recommendation of this podcast to your video game loving friends? We would greatly appreciate it. And you can also check out the Geek So To Speak podcast network where our main show, the mother show, Geek So To Speak, we're talking everything in geek news every week. And you've got your spinoff shows, The Holder Maneuver, your weekly source for all things star wars technological everything you need about star Trek, sandbox gamers which you're listening to right now and then the micro do you like micro podcasts Well, I have i got news <laughs> for you we have vector loves comics which is starring our own factor on this podcast yeah uh well vectors in every one actually <laughs> again this might as well be called the vector to speak podcast network <laughs> at this point but Vector Loves Comics is uh, just tiny micro-podcasts of Vector giving you updates on all the latest and greatest in comic books. But everything you need to alleviate boredom all week. So give us a subscribe and you can find all the information for all of those podcasts at geekso2speak.com forward slash network. Uh, I am of the mindset to tell you to follow us on social media. I'm at Wonder Rob everywhere, W-O-N-D-E-R-R-O-B. You can find Vactor everywhere at Vactor, V-A-C-T-O-R. And you can find Jeff W everywhere at Jeff W, J-E-F-F-W. Good game, everybody. We'll be back next week. We're going to be talking about Ghostwire Tokyo and Kirby and the Forgotten Land and all the latest video game news. GG, everybody. GG. Don't poop in the samba.